Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is sponsored by Evofem Biosciences, NASDAQ EVFM, a female-forward company revolutionizing women's healthcare with game-changing products that address unmet needs in women's sexual and reproductive health. Learn more at evofem.com. In today's episode, we interview Evie Heilbrunn. Evie is the CEO of Privy Woman. Privy Woman's first product is called Finesse Soft Patch, which is the first FDA-cleared over-the-counter product that prevents light to moderate bladder leaks before they happen. They are available for purchase online at privywoman.com or at your local Target. They look like a little foam paper airplane that fits snugly between your labia and apply just enough pressure to the urethra opening to prevent bladder leaks. I love that this product isn't about catching and absorbing women's urine, but rather helping it not come out in the first place. This interview is really unique because it's actually a recording of a live interview I did during the Consumer VC Summit. A few months back, which was totally awesome. Really great lineup of speakers. They are doing it again, I think, in February. So check it out, uh, summit.consumervc.com. Enjoy this interview I did with Evie from Privy Woman. We are doing a live recording for our podcast. Check it out, Spotify and iTunes. We're doing a live interview for this event and on the podcast with Evie Heilbrunn, CEO of Privy Woman. Evie, let me give a little background on her. Super excited to have her today on this panel. Evie is a digital health leader and investor in femtech. She has a knack for uncovering hard often underrepresented categories, ideas, and human beings. Evie has a proven track record of scaling early stage products and audiences, whether uh, for health consumers or providers. She has worked for some of the largest digital health companies and brands in the world. And today we're going to talk about the new company she is now the CEO of called uh, Privy Woman and their first product, Finesse. Privy is the first woman-led feminine care company developing innovative and clinically proven solutions for women's health issues, ranging from bladder leaks to UTIs to yeast infections. Privy's first product, Finesse, is a soft patch, first FDA-cleared over-the-counter product that prevents light to moderate bladder leaks before they happen. The reason this is so important, because today the only choice women have are pads. And uh, we all know about landfills and, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. And it's time for this to be innovated. Women wearing diapers is no longer 2020. All right. We need some technology and innovation. And so I am so excited. Privy's on a mission to invent the next generation of feminine care products and underserved women's health issues. You can learn more at privywoman.com. 
Hi, Evie. What an intro. I am so excited to be chatting with you today. How are you doing? I'm great. And thank you so much uh, to you and also to the, to the VC Summit to be here. It's such a pleasure to be joining you um, and also to be joining you at such a momentous time uh, for the business. And as you mentioned on Sunday, um, I have boxes here of finesse. We rolled out nationwide at over 800 Target retail locations and available nationwide online. Um, so we're taking a look at our brand new packaging um, and our three SKU sizes, which are 36 pack, a 12 pack, which I have here, and then our brand new trial pack exclusive with Target, which features five finesse soft packs, um, which is basically the opportunity for her to try yep. for five nine uh, and get a sense of, of the of the product itself. Oh, so man. thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having oh, me. Oh man, if the schedule wasn't so good today, I was going to leave right after this to go to Target. I don't struggle from bladder leaks, but I want to buy some from Target and say that I met you. Right? So cool. Well, we let's let's kick off the interview by you telling us a little bit about your background. You know, especially in femtech, there's no femtech degree. Somehow, usually people just end up here. And so we love to know your background. What did you study? Where are you from? And then how did you end up here at Privy? Definitely. Um, so um, I, I'll start the story actually way back, which is that I am um, the daughter of two subspecialists. Um, my mother uh, was a nephrologist, a kidney specialist, and my father it continues to practice as an interventional cardiologist, uh, heart surgeries. Um, and so from an early age, I was very much exposed to the changing landscape of 20th century medicine both for private practicing physicians who ultimately um, had to sunset away from that as uh, physicians moved into being um, more of employees for large healthcare systems. And so I watched them as that evolution took place. Um, that interest in the changing dynamics of American medicine actually led me to um, my first research project as an undergraduate at the University of Pennsylvania, uncovering the history of one of the first black doctors who started one of the first black hospitals in the country with no other choice as being a highly educated African-American gynecologist, no less, in the 1890s. Wow. So really, my entire career and history starts and is rooted in medicine mm. um, and evolved um, to really a career in digital health publishing um, for some of the largest consumer and provider publishers, Everyday Health, um, U.S. News and World Report, um, and recently at Meredith overseeing the health shape and parenting uh, brands. Um, and so what I would say is, is that that last experience um, really sort of um, reconfirmed trends I was already seeing about just the need to do more for women. Um, and it culminated at the same time with an opportunity to invest in a femtech company, of course, which opened many doors, which led me to Privy. And so um, in a nutshell, um, sort of being involved in health innovation and certainly the conversation around changing landscape of healthcare in American medicine has been something I have been on the journey and path for my whole life. Um, I'm really excited, though, to make my first um, foray into being a CEO as, as doing something to champion really opening up an entire consumer category for women's um, below-the-waist, over-the-counter issues. I love that. Let's get into it. So Privy is the company, and y'all are going to have multiple products over time. But for right now, you have Finesse, which is in over 800 targets. What mm -hmm. is Finesse addressing, and how does it work, and... Why Why does the world need it? So Finesse is the first FDA-cleared uh, bladder leakage product to stop bladder leaks before they start. Mm 
So if we look at um, the history of what's been available to women at Femcare Isles, it's absorbents. They have pads, liners, or in extreme cases, diapers. And on the other hand, uh, sometimes women unfortunately resort to surgeries, which can oftentimes be uh, uh, right for other opportunities to actually have uh, problems. Mm -hmm. And so really, finesse sort of sits at the intersection of that decision-making where uh, a woman needs a, a better solution and her chief complaints really that we hear are odor and wetness and frankly discomfort about having a discreeter solution while she's running or she's you know in a board meeting giving a presentation while she sneezes. And so Privy started because of finesse, um, but the goal is much bigger than that in terms of disrupting the entire category of OTC solutions for women. Mm -hmm. One in three women struggle with bladder leaks. Yeah. So can we actually talk about that? Why, why are one in three women wetting their pants? Tell us. So one in three women experience bladder leaks, um, primarily because of, um, vaginal birth, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of the, a lot of of leakage is, is amplified by vaginal birth. And once a woman has incontinence, she's going to remain having that issue and it will likely get worse over time. Um, so what we're really addressing with finesse is a light to a moderate bladder leak. We're not solving the issue for a woman who has uh, overactive bladder. Um, but at the same time, since joining the company, I've met a variety of women, uh, including my partner who has never given birth and leaks a little bit when she runs. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we're finding is that, um, a lot of women know women that have this issue that don't have vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Of course, motherhood can amplify these issues, but it's certainly not the only reason that a woman um, experiences this. Yeah. My mom's going to kill me, but I talked to her right before this event, told her to listen in and she had two C sections and she said, uh, yeah, when I sneeze now, a little bit comes out. Sorry, mom, exposing you, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it just comes with age too. And so Mm -hmm. it's so crazy that the only solution out there was these was pads and catching it. And so privy privy isn't about catching, you know, leakage. It's about preventing it. Right. Correct. So we really stop the leak before it starts, um, effectively sealing off uh, the urethral opening mm-hmm. uh, with a one-time use soft patch. So essentially the woman puts it on before her run or her trampoline jump with the kids. And then after that, when she goes to use the restroom again, she's simply going to remove the finesse. The hydrogel adhesive is very soft. There's no irritation. It's designed for comfort, unlike a Band-Aid, which would hurt if you ripped it off. Um, And they're 95% biodegradable. Um, And if you look at them relative to the size of a pad, the environmental effect is phenomenal, right? Mm -hmm. it's, It's a much safer uh, environmental solution given that the landfill impact. Yeah. Um, um, how many units have been sold? I mean, you just got into Target and Target usually requires you to have proven that consumers want this. So what's the history of Finesse's sales? So um, we have sold over 850,000 uh, Finesse. Wow. <laughs> had very successful um, sales, um, modestly in terms of being a small business, but obviously, of course, um, successful enough uh, to garner the attention of Target. Wow. Um, Well, if this is a preventable problem and there's one in three women struggling with it, why haven't we heard about it? When we started this, there may have been viewers that were like, why are we talking about women leaking in their underwear, right? Like, why is this an issue that people don't really know about or talk about? So it's a great question because you and I know about this issue 
and we talk about this issue. And women talk about this issue among themselves. Um, they're talking about it all the time. They're talking about it with other mothers who, who have it. Um, they're talking about it in the safety and comfort of, of their friends. Um, they're oftentimes not talking to their OBGYN about it. In fact, mm. if they're going to talk to anybody at all, they're going to talk to a midwife or a doula, someone who's spending more time with her um, to understand and listen to what she's experiencing. Um, so the reality is, is it's not that people and women aren't talking about these things. It's that we're not talking about them in spaces where we arguably could be mm-hmm. and should be to bring more transparency to these issues. It's no uh, surprise, and it's quite interesting, that low testosterone and balding hair are problems that everyone knows about. They're everyday, common, discussed issues, and there are many products and solutions available in the market to address that, right? Um, unfortunately, today, we just haven't created those spaces yet. Privy and Finesse is creating and introducing those spaces uh, for women's health education to take the forefront of the conversation, including when she walks down the femcare aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who shops at Target will tell you that there's a lot of choice at Target until you get to the femcare aisle. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited at Privy to be bringing innovation there so that women have options um, to to navigate their choices. Yeah. Is this, um, you know, issue of this is kind of a between ladies closed door conversation, um, you know, thing that is discussed. Is that does that affect your fundraising Um, when you've pitched this product? Have you heard investors say, I've never heard of this. This isn't a real problem. People aren't needing this. What's your experience and your challenges been like with fundraising? So it's really interesting. And I'll I'll answer the question in a couple ways. One is. Um, a lot of people don't know where the urethra is, including women. Tell where us. Can you do a little anatomy real quick? Tell everybody where your urethra um, is. Your urethra and your vaginal cavity are, are separate. They're, they're, they're separate. Uh, they're separate pathways, right, down there, um, to diplomatically put it. And the reality is, is to, to just answer the question there, we start to get into really the heart of some of the educational challenges and exciting opportunities we have at Privy with our first product, Finesse, which is that women um, don't understand all the innards of their anatomy, and that has everything to do with the way in which we're discussing her anatomy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see that in other countries now we're starting to do, introduce sex education in kindergarten. There's no surprise that there are educational theories and strategies corresponding with introducing that information earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in much the same way, um, we have a barrier in terms of educating our audience, even the investor audience, right, mm-hmm. on this anatomy, on what this function is. The reality is, is that um, we need to do more investing in women's companies. But at the end of the day, business is business. By Mm -hmm. 2025, the incontinence market will be over $15 billion. There's over 22 million women in the U.S. who suffer with some form of incontinence. And over 12.5 million of them have stress urinary incontinence, which is the exact problem Finesse addresses. If we did a simple calculation of a single 12-pack of Finesse multiplied by the available urethras out there that could be stopping the links, (laughs) the business case makes itself apparent. So for me, um, the reality is from a fundraising perspective is education on the market is surely the barrier Mm -hmm. of what your anatomy is because the data shows us that there is a huge, huge market opportunity. From a financial perspective, this is a Mm no-brainer. From an education perspective, that's actually where the investment in the conversation really is required so that people understand 
how serious of an issue this is in terms of a lifestyle issue. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not fun to have urine in your pants. It's not going to kill you, but it's not going to make you feel great. Yeah. Uh, we've interviewed several investors on the Femtech Focus podcast, and you know they all say if you can't convince you know a male investor that just isn't connecting emotionally or intuitively with the problem that your product is solving, just show them the numbers. There are so many women. Women are not niche, and uh, women have money to spend. We are the chief medical officers of our home and our families. And so um, when you look at the numbers and then you look at the 39 femtech exits in the last 10 years, you start to get a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out. And uh, that's what we're trying to incite in other investors to get more capital flowing here. Um can you tell us about the challenges of marketing and selling a consumer product that's a taboo industry? Um, specifically, you know, we he- are here at a CPG conference. And so, you know, have you run Facebook ads? How have you marketed and branded this, this thing about something that people don't even know where the urethra is? Tell us about those challenges. Mm-hmm. So I think what's, what's so exciting is that um, we were discovered by Target. Um, and so I start that there by saying that um, we, uh, at the blogger pitch contest, uh, which we won, we were approached by Target, a, a merchant, um, and, and asked actually to participate and eventually be invited into their Target takeoff program. Uh, and that ultimately led to um, a, a six-figure uh, PO for our launch. Um, and so I would say is, is that uh, from a marketing perspective, um, Honestly, not a challenge, but uh, an unexpected opportunity was the fact that Target um, came along and and found us uh, and and critically told us that the reason they were interested is because we meet their exact demographic profile. Mm-hmm. Um, we are speaking to her, you know, a young forties, a young a woman in her young forties with two young kids who's shopping at Target. Um, who um, is a professional. She's, um, she has money to spend, but most of it's going to her children. Um, and this really, we needed to do more for her, is what they said. We don't have enough choice for her on the femcare aisle. And so uh, we were elated that, that, that they have been supporting and, and driving home emissions. So from a marketing perspective, uh, certainly retail was a strategy that, of course, everybody in CPG dreams of. Mm-hmm. No, one re- no one can predict launching in Target um, with a brand new product. So from a marketing perspective, that has helped us, um, I think in phenomenal ways and certainly will over the course of the fall, help us activate women, um, because they are comfortable and familiar with Target as a brand. And so finesse being endorsed by them as a product that is available on their shelves to me is a great way to get over the educational barrier. But outside of that, um, we've taken an omni-channel approach where we are uh, activating women through every channel from website, native, to email, uh, to in-store, to try to motivate them um, to learn more and lean in, um, and frankly, uh, invite them into this discussion, whatever part of the discussion they want to be in, whether it's community, whether it's actually fulfilling their need, or whether they're just excited by a company that's uh, listening um, to try to bring them more choice for uh, OTC taboo femcare issues. Mm-hmm. As a femtech expert, one of the things that we've noticed is that one of the best selling tactics for femtech companies, especially consumer products, is referrals. Do you know if your customers are telling other women about it and getting them to buy it too? It's a great point, um, and it's actually probably one of the biggest reasons that um, our our sales continue to 
increase is that, in fact, already since we launched a target, we already have three five-star reviews talking about, you know, how the product has really um, made a difference in the, the day-to-day activity, whether it's pelotoning or it's running um, or just leaking a little bit while they sneeze. Um, so I would say that um, the advocates of our brand are definitely the women who use the product. And in fact, even in conducting business around the marketing, there have been many women um, who have said, oh my God, I have this issue. Uh, can you please send me some of the product? So it's very interesting um, that not only are women leaning into this, but they're excited by the conversation and willing to share that they even have the issue when someone is saying, hey, we have a solution for it. Suddenly someone's raising their hand. Yes, um, definitely. Do you think that because we didn't have a real solution before besides pads, it was you know harder for women to raise their hand, but now that there's this like, really cool, innovative, sleek looking design thing that women are, are more likely to admit that they're, they're struggling with this? I think that at the end of the day, um, it's going to, it's going to take time for us to get to a point where, uh, women are very comfortable about frankly raising their hand about things that they have uh, silently, not necessarily suffered with, but experienced for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, back up for a second and look at our broader mission here. UTIs, yeast infections, those are two chief uh, uh, complaints of women and issues they have that frankly hit them well before they ever become mothers. And to date, there are still no over-the-counter solutions for them. And frankly, the -the over-the-counter solutions that exist are not very effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say that as a woman who's tried them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also say that as the daughter of two physicians who's had access and resources to uh, medications and things, which frankly, I didn't ever ask my mother about. I suffered with my first UTI infection for 72 hours. Mm-hmm. Anyone will tell you that it's awful. Um, why is that? I think that the reality is, is that we have silently kept these issues to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We deal with them just like we deal with everything else that comes out of there, right? On an annual or monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And so I think that our job is to first and foremost start having conversations about these things. Um, and Finesse obviously addresses the problem, which is really exciting. And we want to bring other solutions to the aisle that allow a woman to actually activate her own health care and not need a third party to do it. Mm. What we started to see in the market is many different ways for her to get in touch with a provider to amplify or expedite getting that solution, getting that therapy, that flucanazole for yeast infection, right? Or that UTI medication. But at the end of the day, whether it's at a pharmacy or it's at a concierge medical service or it's in a telemedicine channel, that woman still needs a script and she still needs a provider. And what we're really trying to do with our mission is get, put her in the driver's seat of her care. Mm. So on her way home from buying the groceries and shopping for the kids at one of those super targets, she can just pick up some things, get rid of what's experiencing a problem for her in her pants so that she can move on with her day. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, Really? (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, we, again, CPG conference, not most CPG products are um, FDA cleared. Why did uh, Privy move forward with that? So in our case, 
in finesse, it's a requirement uh, for this type of device, even though finesse is not an, an inserted device. So when we say the term device, sometimes people think that it's actually something that goes inside mm-hmm. of the body, when it's actually just simply something that goes on the urethra. Um, but FDA clearance is the requirement um, and the classification um, according to how the FDA uh, actually assigns different classes of devices. FDA clearance is the required class. Uh, To give perspective, when I worked in um, non-personal pharmaceutical advertising promotion, we hear FDA approved. That's the lingo because pharmaceutical drugs are approved. Uh, In this case, the finesse device is cleared. That's not a business decision. That's a classification for med device. Uh, But in our case, um, not all devices or excuse me, not all products for women certainly have the level of clinical you know, uh, data and, and IP mode that we have. And so in that way too, um, I'm extremely happy about the fact that we have all of the background data to show the efficacy of the product. This is a safe solution that works. And I, I think at the end of the day, what really makes me excited is that we're offering safe, clinically supported solutions for women. We're interested in science-backed innovations. We are not interested in wellness. Yeah, I know your founder, he, and, and it's a male uh, Femtech founder, which more men should care about uteruses. I'm very bullish about that. And uh, he's been spent decades in women's health and wellness. And so that it really is backed by years of expertise and, um, you know, the FDA clearance. It's, it's really incredible. Um, what are other areas in women's consumer products that still need innovating? So when we finally walk down the Femcare aisle and we realize dang, this hasn't changed in years. What are some other aisles or other areas in women's health and wellness that you think still need innovating and updating? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think it, it goes back to uh, what I was talking about a little bit ago in terms of these under other underserved categories, mm-hmm. right? So yeast infections, UTIs, these are part of any women's healthcare journey. And some of these issues actually start well before uh, motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things that we're interested in a privy is starting to understand. And I, um, uh, there was a nice quote in the Startup Health article that we were featured in because we're the newest member of Startup Health about this, which is I say that women can be mothers, but they have issues and a health spectrum and continuum throughout their life that is separate from that experience. Yeah. And so for us at Privy, what we would like to start to see through our uh, own company mission and others is giving more choice uh, to a lot of issues that women that are not new to women's health, mm-hmm. that we all experience, that if you asked a room full of women, if they've ever had these three things, at least two of them, most women will raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, one in three women at bladder leaks, almost all women have had a UTI or yeast infection or something where they thought they had a UTI or yeast infection, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so we have to do better uh, about giving more opportunity for women to help themselves. Um, We certainly do that for a whole host of other consumer categories where we give people choices of how to help themselves. Mm -hmm. How is it that in the femcare aisle, in the anatomy of a woman's body, that she has no choice? Time to change. It is. It is absolutely time to change. I love it. Um, If we have aspiring or early stage femtech founders in the conference today, what would you tell them is something to consider when starting a consumer product femtech startup? I think that it goes back to education. 
Uh, and something you said earlier, which is that oftentimes the mother of a household or the woman of a household is called the chief wellness officer. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's read anything about the chief wellness officer knows this. That woman has a very limited time. Any given decision she's making arguably is going to be happening within a two to five minute maximum decision period. She doesn't have enough time and she certainly doesn't have any time for herself. Mm-hmm. Right? And so her choice and the amount of time she spends on herself is even more limited by being the head of a household, not to mention being a mother on top of that household. And so I would say to anyone that education and understanding the moment where that education takes place is critical. And understanding that she, you have micro opportunities to reach her and you have micro opportunities to convince her that her spending or allocating that 60 seconds or 120 seconds is actually going to increase her bottom line in some way. Reduce stress, right? Help cut costs, right? Or provide some other benefit to her family, right? Emotionally or otherwise. So if we're going to take a minute to educate that woman about finesse, let's make sure that when she clicks over to that, we're showing her why this is going to help her. Mm-hmm. and disrupt her day less or allow her to do a, a less laundry because she's not leaking, right? Or somehow provide a benefit. So what I would say is education and justifying in those micro moments why she needs to care, mm-hmm. right? Because the challenge for us in the women's market is everyone is advertising to women, whether they have a clinical product that really solves her need or they have a product that doesn't solve her need, but that she know, they know she may buy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So for us in femtech, we're trying to sort of rise to the point where we're differentiating and saying, "Hey, all of these things are not equal. Mm-hmm. Some things that are being targeted to women are really for women, and some things that are being targeted to women are really just about marketing, right?" And so I think what's really important for femtech companies is to make sure that as they advertise and market, that they are really doing themselves a service to remind their women, their their users that they're providing them with something that they should allocate 60 seconds for. Otherwise, I think what will happen or can happen is that um, all of our efforts become trapped in what I would call mass marketing to a very, very attractive and frankly, the most lucrative digital audience that's out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say education and why. Why in that micro moment? And that's that's a 10 to 30 second opportunity. I... I am very, very inspired by you saying that in order for femtech companies to be successful, you need to show that your product is empowering that woman, right? Mm -hmm. And that she deserves to be empowered. Um, You know, what we've found in in our research and um, after doing so many interviews with with, uh, femtech leaders, we've noticed that um, if you have education as part of your product, you'll be more successful because oftentimes women didn't get a lesson on menopause. They didn't get a lesson on what to expect, what is normal, what's not normal, right? In terms of their own anatomy and biology. And so education is a huge piece. And then also community, uh, mm-hmm. providing forum boards or um, Facebook groups for women to just talk about it, you know? Does Finesse have any um, uh, place where you can speak with consumers or consumers can speak with one another? So we have a brand site, halffinesse.com, um, and absolutely give our users the opportunity to engage, leave mm-hmm. reviews, 
um, we have a, a newsletter distribution channel as well, uh, which is growing and active. Um, the reality is, is that the differentiator for Privy as a business is sitting at the intersection of medical device product mm. and for, uh, for fem, fem care, for women's health, and also um, bringing with it the entire digital omni-channel activation component, which I lean on a 10-year um, career on to really activate, right? Mm-hmm. So part of our mission and part of our um, our fundraising efforts right now really focused on uh, defining the next wave of omni-channel activation for women and what that looks like. Yes. I mean, I was someone who uh, oversaw commercial product development for many years on the media side, one of the biggest challenges that med device or pharmaceutical companies have is they don't know how to speak to the audience. And that's why they partner with media organizations. Mm. The future of a media organization for activating a health audience, my two cents, is going to look a lot like Privy Woman. It's going to look a lot like the intersection of bringing a clinical service or need, addressing that need and creating the digital and sometimes actually direct brick and mortar type of community if, if we if we ever return to post-pandemic times <laughs> for those women to engage yeah. right because i think the scariest part of trying something new or an innovation is not having the resources to be uh less afraid of something you're you're not aware of right yeah. and i think ultimately at the end of the day that community feedback loop not only between women amongst each other but also back to our clinical team is invaluable, um, not only for making sure that we're producing product that meets our audience needs, but actually also allowing the science to benefit from the feedback of our audience while it's actually happening. Uh, I think that that's a piece of of the pie that really sets us apart uh, and really, truly just a testament of of the partnership between uh, me and also, as you mentioned, uh, Tom Berryman's background in venture-backed med device creation since the 1980s. Well, there's actually a femtech brick and mortar store in Tokyo, Japan, uh, because there's a group called Fermata that realized that uh, the women in Tokyo wanted to really hold products and see the products first. And so they actually opened a wine bar and all over the wine bar are femtech products that you can pick up and hold and actually purchase. And so I love that you said like brick and mortar may even be a solution here as well for CPG products, um, getting that user feedback and community aspect. Um, let's turn tables a little bit over to femtech investing. You have invested in femtech. Um, mm-hmm. trick question here is investing in femtech profitable. Femtech investing is not only profitable, it's a no brainer. Um, yes. <laughs> if you need that piece of evidence, you can look no further than the August uh, 2020 report from Rock Health, mm-hmm. where it's a record that 3% of venture capital since 2011 has been invested in femtech. Uh, but we've been making up 80 plus percent of healthcare purchasing in this, the decisions in this country for well over 100 years. So not only is it profitable, um, honestly, to date, it's been a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting to see that the venture community is hungry mm-hmm. to disrupt this business line. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be more elated. Um, so it's clearly it's ready. It's time. For, the market is ready. Yes. I would say. Um, it's always been a profitable decision, but I think having the market support behind it now surely makes us have even better chances of be, of making even more success mm-hmm. and impact. Absolutely. And what does the femtech industry mean to you? Because I know there is some controversy around the word femtech. Does it leave, leave out people? Does it is it not inclusive? And 
does there does it even need a word? Why can't we just say human health? Why do we have to have femtech? So what what's your two cents on that? So I think, you know, first of all, I didn't know of the term femtech until a couple months ago. And I say that as someone who was a femtech investor before they ever really started. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that this is a new term. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't hear of this term until really uh, I, I started being aware that this is how actually this group of companies is being referred to. Mm-hmm. So I say that because um, I think that at the end of the day, anytime you create a movement, you start with naming that movement, right? Uh, whether or not Femtech will be the name of women's health movements forever, mm-hmm. or whether it's just the first name, um, you know, it, it shows us that the market is ready again to brand this and to shed light on it, right? We're having discussions about Femtech today. Now, Femtech is a term. Um, the historian me is excited to see how um, the terms continue to be defined. Mm-hmm. If it ultimately becomes Femtech, if women's health is the term, if we come up with a new term for it. But at a minimum, I'm just excited that there's actually now recognition in the marketplace and there are terms, whether or not we all like those terms or not, um, there are terms we can reference mm-hmm. to uh, point to our movement. And I think that that is a great first step in redefining a conversation. That's right. And so to me, I'm really excited about that and excited to use the term as a champion of, you know, what this will mean for the future of women's health. Um, and I think to your point, whether that ends up becoming human health or not, I think we can look no further than the development of things like Tia's Health, which is, you know, CityMD, One Medical for Women Only. Um, I think what you start to see is, is that we have to create and carve out spaces for women mm-hmm. and women's bodies and women's issues. Uh, this is not so different than any other strategy about uh, marketing segmentation. You make it smaller and smaller. And so I think uh, we've defined Femtech as the women's health space. And so I'm excited that we at least have a turn, that we're talking about it at a conference, and that we can continue to help actually evolve and participate in the terms that this movement takes. Um, Right now, I'm just happy that we're being considered a part of it. I could not agree more. And I love that you said that it's a a term that's defining a movement. The movement now has a name. And you may, you know, be wondering, listeners, why do we need a women's health movement? Well, a few a few facts for you is that women were not allowed to be in clinical trials till 1998. So any drugs approved before 1998 were never tested on women until it was in the market. Women are five times more likely to have side effects from drugs, likely due to this, right? Um, we have uh, this unconscious bias that women are just little men. And, you know, all the way down to scientific experiments, we are using male cells and male mice, and uh, this has ripple effects. And so I hope one day we can just put femtech back into human health, but, um, you know, with only 4% of pharmaceutical budgets going to creating women-specific drugs, I think we deserve our own name and our own movement uh, and hopefully can get enough attention that we can then, you know, roll it all back in. Well, uh, Evie, my last question for you before we get to our questions, which uh, listeners, please post questions. This is a dialogue. This is a conversation. Please, please post your questions, comments. But what is next for Privy Woman? What, What can we expect next? So there's been a lot of excitement uh, going on over the last uh, couple of months. Um, So I actually joined in in late July. 
Um, and um, actually, we threw a cross country move in there on top of everything else. Um, so, so that's exciting. So now I'm actually based in Los Angeles with the rest of the Privy team. Um, and so for us, uh, a couple things have been going on. One is um, obviously we hit shelves on Sunday. Um, and rolling out a huge uh, omni-channel campaign strategy, um, which has been really exciting to watch. Of course, as we get deeper into Q4, we're already having conversations with Target about in-cap placements and opportunities to magnify. So we're really excited about that on the scaling Target side. Um, in terms of the fundraising side, uh, we were just accepted into Startup Health as the most recent company that they're going to be supporting. Uh, for those that don't know, Startup Health is one of the premier uh, digital health startup communities um, in locations based in Silicon Valley, but also in New York. Um, they support over 300 companies and in investing and providing resources to them uh, with um, what they call health transfer transformers, basically. And so they uh, accepted us in um, both for our mission and sort of um, disrupting OTC FemCare, uh, but actually, and Brittany, you'll be happy to know, um, particularly because of our educational component and just how important that is and how much they want to support that. So we're elated by that. Uh, obviously, everyone's dying to see uh, initial sales from Target. Uh, the fact that we've had so much success just to get into Target, Startup Health said this is kind of a no-brainer, and so they joined us. Uh, but right now, in terms of our focus, now that we are on shelves and we've completed that huge milestone of both getting the product to the shelf and also you know, getting it out into the world and, and making um, – you know, a, a, a big promotion out of it. It's now really about um, closing our, our institutional round. And so historically we've been angel funded and now we're looking actually to um, find and secure uh, an investment uh, partner here at an institutional level so that we really can scale this uh, to the next level. We're already interested in pursuing due diligence on future R&D development for next products, already thinking about what we want on shelves in a year uh, and starting to think about, you know, the next levels of growth in terms of our company infrastructure, um, et cetera. And so there's a lot that's next. Um, but there's a lot that's been going on just in the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I know I asked you to be on this, uh, maybe a week ago and you were like, this is great. We're going to be in target on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, that's quite perfect. You have a busy week. <laughs> oh man. Well, this has been so fantastic. I think Privy Woman is up to big things. I cannot wait to see you. Um, you know, expand and grow and have all these product lines and be able to say, I knew you win. Um, Mark and Mike, do we have questions coming in? Thanks. Yeah, well, it looks like we have one and it's really just a congratulations. And ultimately, I think it sounds like you answered all the questions right there in the conversation. So it seems to me like we have a few more seconds to figure out if anybody's asking Oh, here we've got one. Excellent. From Molly McDonald. Or Molly McGonagall, excuse me. What needs to change in venture capital to get VCs to invest in more women-led companies? Pretty broad question. I have a feeling you're going to have a good answer for it. So it's a, it's a great question. Um, I think one is, is that there's, you know, we hear, well, I don't think the market's big enough. $15 billion market by 2025 for our first product alone. Women make up 80% of healthcare purchasing decisions in this country. I say that because um, that's a question that is surprising to me that we receive from investors. Well, we just don't think the market opportunity is big enough. How is that possible? <laughs> 
I mean, these, these are data questions at the end of the day. And so yeah. I think when we get questions like that, those barriers show us an emotional reservation to investing because it hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that. Uh, and that makes sense. It's a new thing. But to justify it by saying that the market isn't big enough is simply not true. Mm-hmm. Look at the data. $7 billion in continents market right now, $15 billion by 2025 for our first product loan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we start talking about UTIs and yeast infections, which are not predicated on whether a woman has birth, suddenly we're talking about an event that can happen as early as she's 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's, it's the, the, one of the biggest barriers is actually getting past the emotional concern that somehow women's products or women's bodies and these issues are just, eh, we haven't done it. Why would we do it now? Well, women got the vote 101 years ago. We're having our first vice president run who's a woman, you know, right now. That's only one of the first times that's ever happened. So mm-hmm. what I would say is it's time for a new conversation. But mm-hmm. let's not create historical reasons for why things haven't happened. Mm-hmm. Like you said, women didn't get into clinical trials until 1998. We have a lot of room. And frankly, I would say the biggest thing that um, can be helpful is, frankly, just a reception to the fact that it's we have enough uh, challenges in the marketplace ourselves because women have been dealing with these issues by themselves and in the comfort of other women for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So they don't need us, mm-hmm. actually, in that sense. They, they have found solutions on their own. So part of our job is actually to say, hey, you've been taking on this burden by yourself for so many years. Now there's actually a company, many companies out there, mm-hmm. that are trying to address your clinical needs, whether it's a clinical product like a finesse, or it's a clinical service like an origin where it's pelvic floor issues for women, which is just the next step after a finesse to helping with your, your pelvic floor issues after birth. So not to give too long of an answer there, but what I would say is, is saying that, well, I'm not really sure there's a market opportunity. Well, I think price sensitivity is an issue. We're talking about a product that costs $5.99, $11.99, $24.99. We're talking about an issue that affects one in three urethras. Yeah. So the, the thing that I think investors... Uh, need to be mindful of is how uh, that question itself shows a sensitivity to investing that has nothing to do with the data. That's right. That's right. And I, with that, I think that that's okay. And that's all right. You know, we have reservations about making investments as an investor. I certainly have biases against things and their mm-hmm. decisions that I make that may or may not be based on data, but at the end of the day for too long, Women's issues have been ignored or, frankly, dismissed because we don't think they're big enough. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. 80% of healthcare purchasing decisions in this country. I love it, Evie. Um, you know, if I could just add on to that real quick as a venture capitalist myself, um, investing is one half logic and data and one half intuition. So when you see something that is addressing a problem you've personally experienced, there's some emotional tie to wanting to get into it, right? And so when 97% of general partners of VC funds are are men, we have 97% of the heart not being in it, right? For, you know, menstrual bleeding or, right, uh, things that will personally affect them. And so I think that there needs to be more women in VC, more women controlling capital. I think that we've done a great job convincing 
people that they should fund female founders. I'm personally over that mission. I'm in the mission now of getting women into controlling capital because I don't think we'll have to convince them as much to fund women. Um, And they're going to be personally inspired by products like Finesse because some of them are going to be personally affected by it. Uh, And lastly, I'll just say that I think the culture of how funding works and deal flow works needs to change because a lot of deal flow and investing and sharing deals between investors happens on golf courses or at pubs with men. And so um, I don't blame men for not wanting to go to a pub at night and talk about women's incontinence and that this great deal, right? They rather it's much cooler to talk about this new AI blockchain software, right? I, I mean, I personally talk about vulvas at the pub all the time. But that's that's me. I run Femtech Focus. So I think that culturally uh, investing needs to be adjusted as well. How do we share deals? How do we talk about deals? What excites us? Well, this was a phenomenal conversation. I really appreciate it. It's something that I'm personally interested in. Uh, I believe very strongly everything you said, which is these are human problems, not necessarily women problems. Mm-hmm. These are definite opportunities in the marketplace. These are clear and obvious giant markets that we should all be addressing from an investor standpoint. Um, I know you're not supposed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm a father of four girls. It's something that I have. It it shouldn't matter that I'm a father of girls. It should matter that these are real issues, but it certainly hits home when I hear about these kinds of things. And that's why I've been such a strong champion and ally of Femtech Focus and women's issues and frankly, female entrepreneurs for a long, long time, because that's where we're at right now. It's mm-hmm. a market opportunity, not necessarily a gender opportunity. Mm-hmm. So thank you very, very much, Dr. Brittany Barreto. And Evie, I think that you have a phenomenal road ahead of you. And congratulations on Target with your new brand. And it seems to me like this is something that we all should be thinking about a lot more. Wonderful. Thank you, thank you thank so you much. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to our interview with Evie Heilbrunn the CEO of Privy Woman. I really love that not only does finesse prevent urine leaks altogether, but it gives women a new option besides bulky pads and liners. For decades, women have been offered the same choices as their grandmothers. Finesse brings innovation to the femcare aisle that hasn't seen any innovation since the invention of the pad. It's better for the environment too, with 95% less landfill space than pads, liners, and incontinence underwear. So if you love vulvas and you love the environment, then this company is the one you want to rally behind. You can purchase your finesse soft patches at privywoman.com or in the femcare aisle at your local Target. Alrighty, fem fans, in our next listening party, it's going to be Monday the 11th. We are listening to my interview with the CEO of EvoFem Biosciences, Sandra Pelletier. She is a awesome woman. It's going to be a really fun evening. Additionally, next week on Wednesday the 13th, I am hosting a fundraising workshop. It is part of our Femtech Fundamentals. It is going to be a bi-weekly workshop that we put on throughout the whole year. And this is our first one. It's on Wednesday, and it's about fundraising who you should be fundraising from, and how much you should be fundraising. You can register for the listening parties and this fundraising event through our website at femtechfocus.org. While you're there, subscribe to our newsletter and join our virtual community. There are a lot of perks if you join the community, so get on it. And until next time, 
keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.